Hello, this is Abigail Gray. I'm a senior researcher at the Consortium for Policy Research and Education at the University of Pennsylvania, and I'd like to welcome you to this week's Research Minutes. This is the CIPRI Knowledge Hub's weekly podcast where we interview researchers about the latest work being done in the field to help improve education. So this week I'm speaking with Paul Morgan, who's a professor of education and demography in the Department of Education Policy Studies at Penn State. And we're talking about his study called Science Achievement Gaps Begin Very Early, Persist, and Are Largely Explained by Modifiable Factors. This study was recently published in Educational Researcher. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for joining me today. Sure, Abby. It's my pleasure. The study is longitudinal, which is a rather novel approach where investigations of the science achievement gap are concerned. Can you say a little bit about, about what um, insights that approach permits that would not be possible through a cross-sectional data set or through looking at kids at, at a single moment in time? With the longitudinal data set, you're following the same kids across time. And there's, a, there's advantages to that kind of data structure, one of which is you can, you can report more on children's growth, of course, rather than uh, relying just on one time point only. And you can also examine factors that might predict growth over time. You can establish a sort of a temporal precedence of factors. So a time one can then predict a time two variable. What we've tried to do here is better understand with um, the data available to us how early the gaps start to emerge, um, what it, uh, how stable they are, and what pr predicts the, the gaps across time. So in this particular data set, the Department of Education, the National Center for Education Statistics, um, identified a, a nationally representative sample of children entering, in, entering kindergarten classrooms in 1998, 1999. And then the children were followed across time with repeated surveys of their, achie their achievement, their behavior, a, a range of other factors. And so the children were assessed at other grades, so first grade in this data set, third grade, fifth grade, eighth grade. Can you give us just a quick distillation of what you found in response to those sort of key questions? What we observe in this study is that children enter into kindergarten already displaying very large gaps in their relative knowledge about the sciences or the social sciences, uh, and that those gaps at kindergarten entry in turn predict gaps later in first grade, which are then in turn uh, very strongly predictive of achievement gaps at third and then third through eighth grade. Oftentimes in the reporting about gaps, we'll sort of, there'll be some reporting of large gaps uh, between, say, children who are high income or low income, or large gaps between children who are white uh, and black. And, or between um, children who are English language learners or not. Here we're able to sort of delve in more to try and predict the, the, these gaps, both uh, at, at, a, at, a, at one particular time period in this study, third grade, as well as over time growth um, that may help explain kind of whether the gaps uh, stay stable or, or close or, or increase in size. And so we can with the factors available to us as predictors explain a good deal of the gaps between, say, high or low-income children or children who are white or uh, black, and that allows us to better understand what factors we might target in terms of our um, policies and practices. Can you tell us a bit about what factors you identified? So if we look at, um, say, the gap between white and black children, those gaps can be quite large at, at a particular time point, say third grade. But with the factors available to us, we can explain large percentages of the gaps. Say, 
you know, 80, 90 percent of the gap um, or fully explain them for some groups. The level of, of understanding about the sciences and social sciences that children bring into to school, the level of uh, general knowledge they have at first grade or, or kindergarten, their reading achievement and math achievement, their what's sometimes called in the literature their approaches to learning or sort of be, um, class, uh, learning-related behaviors like attention or task persistence. These things are very, uh, these things help explain the gaps that are observed initially between population subgroups of children and are, of course, amenable to interventions, too. So uh, we can target children's general knowledge or we can target children's reading skills or math skills, both prior to and following school entry. And if we do so and we can help increase um, children's achievement and their behavior, things of this nature, it, uh, one suggestion from our study is this will help address science achievement gaps as well. So based on these findings, what would you recommend to state and district policymakers as actions that they might take or consider in, in, in um, you know, toward the end of reducing the science achievement gap? If we're starting to look at who's struggling in science in middle school or high school, if, if, if those children were probably already struggling in science earlier on. And okay. so rather than waiting to address science achievement gaps when children are older, we should try and direct our intervention efforts early for several reasons. When children start to struggle academically, it can have sort of negative spillovers on other aspects of their development. So if you look at children who are struggling academically in both reading and mathematics, they can start to have more negative um, um, feelings about themselves. They can start to engage in more negative behaviors. They can have more uh, sort of hardened attitudes towards the academic content as something they're just not good at and they avoid. And of course, that can have sort of negative consequences in and of itself. So what does that mean? It means that we should be sensitive to children's academic struggles early on, including in science. And for those children who seem to be struggling early on, we should think about trying to provide them additional support. Focusing on early struggles in science for children in the primary grades, um, as well as, as being sensitive to providing rich opportunities for learning scientific content prior or, or by school entry, I think could be helpful. Something that we also observed in our study was that um, higher quality parenting can be related to children's um, knowledge about science, as well as the uh, racial segregation of their schools, which might be a proxy for sort of lower resourced um, school settings. So collectively, these are potential targets for, I think, interventions or, or policies that we might uh, engage in. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. Really interesting to hear about your study and a, and a pleasure to talk to you. Um, oh, my, the pleasure's all mine. Great. And um, thank you to our listeners for listening to Research Minutes. To share your thoughts on this discussion, head to Knowledge Hub Conversations at cprehub.org. And to subscribe to our weekly podcast and to listen to more interviews, cpre again, at cprehub.org. We look forward to hearing from you.